0: Super Train 94 Welcome everyone, I am Dan I am your main host For this uh, short-lived TV show podcast We cover of TV shows and never got enough love eventually we will cover Super train. We go three shows at a time, one episode at a time. in this one we are we're, we're switching the schedules up a bit because we are at the end of a show and I, I haven't counted how many shows we've finished now. it's over a dozen, maybe about 15 but we are going to begin this episode with Automan episode 5 and then we're going to go to Nero Wolf. Episode 9 And then Shadow Chasers Episode 13 Uh, This episode does run a bit long I'm trying to keep the episodes around 90 minutes The tricky thing is There there are three things you can always guarantee Will make an episode longer Uh, First episode of a show just because we got background to talk about And background of the, of the, uh, the person talking with me Etc, etc set Setting up everything That doesn't need to be set up Again, listen to Auto Man episode 1 for an example Then the final episode of a show uh, you, You'll hear whether or not I, I go crazy Later on in the episode here Over Shadow Chasers Or if uh, the name Amanda Reyes is involved If myself and Amanda start talking We go off on a lot of tangents So that usually makes the episodes longer but this one is a bit long, uh, but in a good way. I mean, I don't, I, if, I, if I had a problem with it, I would have edited swaths. Out of it, I did not However, there is going to be no closing So at the end of the Shadow Chaser segment We're going to go right into closing whatever And the episode will end So you won't you won't hear from me again uh, at the end Except you will be hearing from me again at the end But not like this You know, you won't hear me saying goodbye You'll just hear me saying goodbye But in a different con. You know what I mean Come on Alright, so here's, here's what we're going to do It's Auto Man time, folks Let me play you a little bit of the theme And then we'll be on discussing episode 5 Of Auto Man we <tries> Auto Man, episode 5 Unreasonable facsimile January 12th, 1984 Directed by The Great Winrich Kolb Oh, is Sir Winrich Kolb on the case? uh, Written by Sam Egan Uh, In this one Uh, The investigation involves a series of helicopters with broken rotors. Basically, there are helicopters that are crashing because some company put bad rotors in them, and Auto Man and Walter and the gang are trying to find out who who did that. Mixed in with that is Auto Man uh, watching a whole bunch of episodes of a TV soap opera called abilene get it ab uh, yeah um uh and uh remember this is you know 1984 and did i just say it was 1984 i feel like i said it was 1984 yes uh so he ends up watching it like it's a it's a nighttime hour-long weekly soap opera called abilene and he suddenly wants to live like a soap opera star and he wants to um well be Texan, and he wants to fall in love Every 20 minutes Luckily, there is a young Delta Burke In the episode, whose sister has died In a mysterious fashion So as they're investigating these helicopter Rotors falling apart uh, Automan is trying to fall in love um, A la characters from uh, Nighttime Soap Opera So uh, Kristen is here, and we well uh, let me let me just tell you uh this episode was recorded, and this is this is a slight disclaimer. This episode was recorded in late June of twenty twenty this segment you're about to hear, and uh, my day job, um which which I'm still at uh, it from March to June was incredibly busy, as in constant overtime working Saturdays that and it was nuts and driving me um driving me batty and this is at the point when things started to return to normal where they more or less are now things are slightly crazy but nowhere near what they were in March to June and so what you're hearing here is me sort of at the end of this time realizing that things are to calm down a bit and so I get a little bit tangent happy so forgive me. I I edited a few of them out, but some of them were just fun, and at least one of them you may have heard before. But we're ninety four, ninety five. How many episodes are we into this show? We're we're we're, we're not around ninety five episodes in, so you're gonna have heard some of the stories before. So forgive me, but I, I argued with myself: keep the tangents in, leave them out. And you know what? In an episode where we're saying goodbye to uh, one of my favorite uh, shows. I decided to tangent it uh, Because I probably won't tangent too much In The Shadow Chaser So um, forgive the tangents uh, Maybe there's a time when there are so many tangents That that becomes the point of the conversation It's up to you to decide I'll give you a blast Listen to this Alright, Unreasonable Facsimile Here we are, episode 5 of Auto Man Knee deep in the mythologies, the mythos of Auto-Man, the world of Auto-Man. Uh, you, you heard the you heard the uh, plot breakdown there. And I have with me someone who likes to talk about Auto-Man a lot. Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki writes. She's the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep her down. She's the best all around. Kristen, how you doing?
1: I am so digging my theme song. I need you to follow me around and sing that <laughs> everywhere I go.
0: Of course, of course. I'll. I've got uh, several new masks I can wear that I can sing through. Singing oh, masks. Excellent. Ooh, and Singing little microphone. Masks, <laughs> <laughs> um, So this is. Yeah, this is. We're recording this June twenty third, twenty twenty. By the way, folks. I hope you're all safe and well. But um, and I know what you're thinking, Dan. The world is in such a state. The world is who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Could you and a wonderful writer from the Midwest talk about an episode of Auto Man? Uh, yes, we can. Hello, of Kristen, course. I Yes, please. Hello. Um, have I, I? I asked you how you were doing already. I forget. I'm talking like an idiot here. Um, <laughs> Would you? Do you want to? How? How? What's happening? <laughs>
1: Well, I think we should talk about this episode, Dan. How are you, Dan? I didn't ask you that. How are you?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm doing okay. I, um... I, um... It, it's... It's... it's um Can I tell you what I thought of this episode? Because it's sitting on my mind.
1: I am anxiously waiting for
0: your input on this episode. Awesome. So, um... So, Otto, man, he's this great guy, and he's, like, blue and shiny and all this shit, you know? And it's... <laughs> cool no um so 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 um um this this is it's interesting because everything i said go back to the previous episode of of this show what, what are we where are we now um give me a second 90, 90, 90 where, this is episode 94 or 5 i don't know what, like, I, t- I told you the date we're recording this, and this is long before it's going <laughs> up. But th- this is either episode 9, I think it's episode 94, I think, or 5. Uh, we're close to 100. Holy heck. Kristen, you'll be here for 100. I'll
1: be here for 100. Yay! Oh my God.
0: What are you giving me? I can't she doesn't have to surprise. tell me. She doesn't have to tell me. She doesn't have to tell me. Uh, so, what do I think about this episode? It's tricky, because to me, it is kind of... exacerbates is that is that i don't know if that's the word i want to use that might be too strong um because that sounds like i like i like ow i really hurt something but it's like what i loved about the last episode and what i didn't like about the last episode are intensified here i really like auto man falling in love i really like auto man falling in love with Delta Burke circa first and ten, which I used to watch on HBO when my family, you know, when my mom wasn't around, and because uh, Delta Burke, she's she's gorgeous, and it's been and that red dress she's in, she looks fantastic, and <clears throat> I like Auto Man falling in love with her. I liked Auto Man watching basically Dallas, and suddenly trying to become like Jr. I love that so much, and I love Walter being confused by it, and I love all of that, and that's so good. But when I got to the end of the episode, my wife walked in the room, and she sat in a chair, and she said, what is this? And I said, what's well, Auto Man? And she says, well, it looks like a show about a weird-looking guy and Desi Arnaz Jr. in a strange car that looks like it's from Entron, chasing a guy in his late 50s in what looks like a hearse with Delta Burke on the seat next to him. And I said, yes, that's what it is. And she was not interested at all. She was, she literally, she was like, I'd like to say, because I was working in our, in my back, in the back room of our house. I was doing my work and I had the episode playing as I was working. I said, oh yeah, it's Auto Man. She sat down, she watched it for two minutes, said that, and then went away. And I was like, Now, I know Glenn Corbett is in this episode. I love Glenn Corbett. Uh, Delta Burke's in this episode. Love her. There's probably another guy or two in this episode whose names I don't know that I love. And the whole thing where Auto Man wants to fall in love is great. I adore that. If that was the main purpose of the episode, this would be the best episode so far. Unfortunately, it's not. May I just lean to my left? Everyone, be still. Oh crap! The headphones on. I'm 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 gonna fall over. Okay, don't. I'm back. (laughs) I thought it was closer than it was. So here in the DVD, here. Okay. Now tell me. Think of think of 1980s TV shows. Let me give you this plot breakdown. A police helicopter crashes, killing five people. A faulty rotor that was made by Power Innis Aeronautics is suspected as the cause. An executive at the aeronautics company is murdered whilst trying to expose fraud. What show do you think that might be? I don't know. Masquerade? Scarecrow and Mrs. King? That might even be MacGyver? Jake and the Fat Man? I'm just throwing out shows because I didn't watch it. 18 might have gone after that. Do you think it's the show about the super electronic guy from Tron... Who can travel, you know, the who can contact every computer and electronic device in the world, who can create airplanes and cars from his mind. Do you think that's what it is? Someone put a faulty rotor in a helicopter, someone got killed investigating. Oh Jim Rockford. No. And that's the problem I have with this episode even more than the previous one. This one ditches Roxanne and the other guy. It's mainly Walter and Auto Man. And Auto Man falling in love is so much fun. And him watching the soap operas is so much fun. But boy, the storyline in this of the helicopter thing is just... I feel like we've already, one, we've already seen it before on Auto Man, and this is only the fifth episode, and two, it's just not very good. And so, as much as I love what Auto Man and Walter are doing, I literally, it took me three viewings to watch this episode all the way through without losing, um, uh, without my attention wandering. That ain't bad because I got to it by the third viewing. And I hope all of you listening are willing to watch this episode three times. Krista, what did you think of this one?
1: Well, before I get into that, I have a question for you, Dan.
0: I'm here. I'm I don't, here. I,
1: you remember 1983 a little better than I do. Um, yes. That's, you know, I was quite young, and you were just a little bit older than me, so you remember. Did people often really sit around cracking walnuts? to the extent that Desi Arnaz Jr. was doing? <laughs> because um, that's what stuck out for me in this episode. It really kind of captured my uh, attention. And I was wondering, did people in 1983 really do this?
0: You, you cracked walnuts if you had walnuts around. Um, there were certain areas of the United States where there were no walnuts available at that time. If you could, you can uh, Google the the Walnut Crisis of 1983, and it will show you that there were certain areas, the red areas on the map. We didn't have no effing walnuts, Jack. Sorry. So Desi Arnaz, I almost feel like he's flaunting it, like Babalu. I got the walnuts. Was that terrible that I said that? No, he's Desi Arnaz Jr., right? I don't know, but you know, I I, I don't um. I, no, but I know I know the scene you're talking about. It's like <laughs> wow, they're going. It's almost like it's it's like all I can think of is um, is it is it in the Naked Gun or is it in the Police Squad? The scene where um, Lieutenant Drebin and oh, it is. I think it's Naked Gun where they're eating the pistachio nuts. Yes, and they eat so and many pistachio the nuts they down. can't open the door because <laughs> <laughs> that that's kind of what that was like. It was almost like because they, they're going nuts with the nuts hey everybody break that down this is this is why you, <laughs> this is why you listen to this podcast. but no no i in 83 i don't i was never pardon me a nut guy i found them too um in tr- like chicken wings i had always had a problem with chicken wings i like if i'm going to eat something i want what's in my hand to be eaten i don't want to maneuver you know like i'm not like oh yeah let's crack this and let's i got to work around the bone or whatever i just it goes in there it gets eaten so i cannot i I'd, I'd like to say though my uncle mike who was the one who had the basement pool hall and the bar he was the one you know him he was the one who had the little little boy who would pee you know, you know you know that little statue of the little boy Ping and the <laughs> yeah. yeah. whatever. Yes, and he had the, the thing and we would go and see the Super Bowl there every year. And um uh and The Last Precinct, which I talked about on this show, was um I saw the Last Precinct TV movie after the Super Bowl, in his basement. And we would go to the basement, and they'd get a huge pile of pizzas and a huge pile of wings. It's like, Danny, have some more wings. Aren't you a man? And I'd say, yes, I am a man. And I'd take the little wing, and I'd try to eat it, and I'd just ingest a bone, and I'd spend the next minute behind the bar hacking up a... You know, it was terrible. So, no, I... You know, I I don't remember eating nuts like that being a thing however no I don't remember it no no having said that though it was only myself my mother and my sister at that time and my mother and my sister as far as I know you know they did whatever they did I didn't really pay attention
1: <laughs> so you're saying that people could have been eating nuts elsewhere in
0: that yes, fashion yes yes if I had only thought to if oh I need that DeLorean I need that time machine. <laughs>
1: Well, I ask because uh, also, not only did they crack open all of those walnuts, but the guy he's talking to says he was taking his to-go. And I'm like, were they really such (laughs) a rare commodity that you had to take these cracked walnuts with you? But I suppose 1983 was a different time. (laughs) It also kind of sums up my feelings on this episode in that I do like this episode, but there is a real kind of tonal imbalance because mm. like you said that you you didn't like the what, – what you liked and didn't like by the episode was intensified. What I thought this case, the crime was a little bit more plausible at the very least. At least it was in their jurisdiction.
0: Mm. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> I'll give them that.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: But it's like there was this real disconnect, like a, an emotional disconnect because there was some – there was obviously Auto Man falling, falling in Love, which was beautiful, and I loved it. Auto Man, Delta Burke, forever. The, yes. I, I mean, Oh, I would, what a couple, huh? I know, because I was watching that episode going, I could fall in love with Auto Man and Delta Burke, so I completely understand where both of them are coming oh,
0: hello. from. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. I'd sit in the middle of the two of them and just – I got two arms. Yeah,
1: exactly. 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 But then you have like Delta Burke's character; her father's the one that's murdered, and it's like yes. there's. I can understand her, you know, becoming emotionally involved with Auto Man. That's understandable. It happens to all of us. But like there's <laughs> the part where they're in the the party, and it's like she's completely forgotten that her father was literally murdered like yesterday. She she's showing no signs of grief whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, and there's that kind of because it's like a serious. It's actually kind of dark that you know he had he
0: killed this, this he had this guy killed, but and it's done so casual. It's yeah. done very casually. Yeah, like it's not like it's like did you kill him? Yeah, I had to. It was like whoa. I, yeah, it's it's yeah.
1: Yeah, and so and then you have her, you know, trying to find out what happened to her dad. Except there's just like yeah, there's some weird tonal inconsistencies for me. In this episode, but overall, I enjoy it because it does have its good moments. Like you said, Auto Man falling in love is just so brilliant. I mean, especially because he sits there and he watches the the show, Abilene, and then you know when he gets summoned to Walter's office and and he's talking about how you know he needs to do all of these things, and he goes, and I've been here for six months and I haven't even fallen in love yet. And, and Walter's like, You're not supposed to and he's like, You're not real and he goes, Neither are the people on Abilene, but they fall in love every twenty minutes.
0: Twenty minutes. Yes.
1: And I'm like, yeah. he's not wrong. It's beautiful. He has yes. every right to fall in love. That part of the episode, yes. yeah, was just the best.
0: Yeah, and and if um if if you folks listening are like, Oh, what are you guys talking about? Well, it, it's it this is um this is nineteen eighty two, eighty three season Dallas was Actually, I didn't look, but Dallas was probably number one in this season. Um, either that or 60 Minutes. Eh, I can't, you know, I can't account for tastes, but um, uh, but but this was from like 1980 to 1985. Dallas, 60 Minutes, and then Dynasty were pretty much the top of the of the ratings. So so a soap opera like Abilene, it's it's actually like the because the way it's introduced, yeah, you see the video game guy, like, we're going to make a video game of Abilene. And there was actually a video game of Dallas. Oh my gosh, there
1: Dallas really related. was?
0: There really was. <laughs> I I will, I'm, I'll am i put it at the end of this episode because, I'm sorry, I meant to look it up, but it's it's kind of an, a slightly obscure game. But there was actually a Dallas-related video game. I, it wasn't on like Atari or anything. I, I think it was on one of the computer systems in the early eighties. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but yeah, so, so this guy's like, we're going to do a computer game based on Abilene. And, and then it's, it's one of those, it's, 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 it's very much like something that Desi Arnaz Jr. would have encountered when he was with his mom on TV. Cause it was like, you know, watch these crime videos. Oh, I accidentally watched the soap operas, you know, but it's, <laughs> and it, I wish it had sold it just a little more, but but I I do love it. I I, I do like the fact that he watched all... Because my my wife and I, as I've said about 4,000 times on this podcast, I think from 2006 to about 2012, and then after that with the new three seasons that were on like TBS or whatever the heck they were on, we watched every single episode of Dallas from beginning to end and um and we watched it because as i've said before the person who got us into it was edward gory the illustrator and writer and because he um and if you guys haven't heard this i guess i'll tell it again because i think it's been a long time sorry Kristen, if you've heard this <laughs> i will just i just tell it real quick it was i was working at a bookstore on ventura boulevard called storyopolis it was a children's bookstore play store kind of thing and i was reading an edward gory book and they had an interview with him in the book from like 1981 or two and they asked him what tv shows he was watching and i forget most of what he said but the main two shows i remember were i'm watching doctor who and i was like oh i'm interested uh and dallas and i was like what and dallas seasons one and two had recently come out in dvd so i bought them we watched them we loved them and over the next six or seven years as each season came out we we would spend like three weeks just binging like 30 episodes of dallas at a time so i fully understand what auto man is feeling and the only thing I wish Automan had done was I wish he'd gotten a better freeze frame at the end of the episode because if you watch <laughs> Dallas you know that uh, I would say 80% of the Dallas episodes in its original run from 78 when I was in preschool to 91 when I graduated high school which is weird to me um, but still fun Um eighty percent of those episodes are basically like jr looking at the camera and either angry or happy freeze frame executive producer whoever so i was hoping he'd do i was hoping he'd have a moment like that but it is it is fun that they bring that in i almost wish they could have i think i said this with the last one i almost wish that they could have brought someone in who could have written a better secondary like crime story for it that could have moved that could have melded in with uh, well, it's it's not bad the, the story they tell isn't bad because when Automan goes to the party at this house and like there's a Sue Ellen type woman who's like oh yes who are you and and stuff like that that's fun but um i almost wish they'd gone kind of uh um uh, another step with that but, yeah um,
1: the, the the crime that they they did didn't meld with the the Abilene the soap opera thing as well like they they should have done that for a different episode and then did a more Dallas like crime I
0: mean because basically the crime is we sold you know cheap surplus rotors to helicopter companies around the country and now they're malfunctioning and someone might not buy the com- company because of that it's like oh okay i guess that's exciting actually that sounds like a soap opera kind of thing when i said this doesn't sound like an adventure thing right i mean it's it's weird because i would love the episode if that if if the secondary server were more fun
1: yeah yeah like i said it's just the the tonal mishmash there like if they did the the helicopter crime, which you, it's worth noting that the crimes that they're they're investigating are very like white collarish. They're not yeah. going after thugs in the park. They're it's very much you know corrupt businessmen, and they are everywhere, which is very very 80s. But yeah. it's like that one it, that crime probably would have been more fun if they were doing like a lot of computer stuff, like tracking down, you know, yes. where all the parts went and all of yes. the nefariousness. That probably would have been more interesting. And then do something like, um, oh, well, the dude doing counterfeit money. When Clue Gulliger was counterfeiting money to have his <laughs> Dallas wedding, that would have yes. probably gone better with with the this yeah. Dallas theme, which I have one Dallas tangent. I don't really watch Dallas, but I should point out, and I probably should have pointed this out when we had Mary Crosby on a couple episodes ago. So as everyone knows my name is Kristen. I was not named for the character <laughs> Kristen in Dallas. Yeah. I was what? I was actually born that year. I was born in January and then in November of that year. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It was alert, it was um revealed that Kristen shot JR. My mother was so entertained by this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she she would say all the time that I'd shot JR. So that's my my Dallas tangent. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. I never um that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy that, folks. That's a good one. I, I almost want to say let's stop talking, but um, I, I want to look at my notes real <laughs> quick, because that's too good. But have a look at your notes. What do you think? Abilene. Have you ever been to Abilene?
1: I have not. My sister lives in Texas, but she lives oh. north of Dallas, actually. Oh. So. I,
0: I've been to Dallas. I've been to Austin. I've been to... Houston I've been near Abilene but I haven't actually gone into Abilene. I think I drove like on a on a highway by Abilene. I don't.
1: Well, so know. now you have a goal. You need to to go to yes. Abilene.
0: Yes. And and when I was when I was a very little little baby, my parents for a few months lived like on the Texas Mexico border. I don't know where that was because my mom doesn't really like to talk about it so um uh because my dad passed a long time ago um uh, but um uh but i know i was i was in texas for a while it was okay i never here here's here's the thing this was like 1973 74 i never got involved in a chainsaw massacre hello you know that happens to I folks would, in i texas.
1: would ask for a refund that's just that's oh. not the full <laughs> texas experience otherwise uh
0: some sort of rebate for not um i want some sort of vouchers for not being involved in a chainsaw no one
1: no Um, one with someone else's face stitched to their own chased me with a chainsaw i demand a refund i want to see the manager
0: (laughs) please please what else do you have this i'm sorry uh did i go off on too much of a tangent there i don't know um uh,
1: Didn't we all? Didn't we all?
0: I, I guess so. I guess we're allowed. It's it's Auto Man, and this is far less of a tangent than we did when we talked about Manimal. Oh, <laughs> maybe even Masquerade. I think I think we are the control group we in are. the Glenn A. Larson season here.
1: It's true. So. We don't tangent as much as the other
0: Glenn A. Larson shows. Uh, uh, so so, what else do you have on this one? I'm going to look at my. Can I just say one thing? I did get. Well can I say, four or five things? It's my podcast. I'm going to say 12 things. <laughs> Enjoy. No, I just want to say one thing. Uh, I do love Glenn Corbett. Um, but um, I, I will say the moment Glenn Corbett, the guy comes into Glenn Corbett's office and says, Oh my gosh, I think our, our rotor, and rotor, here, here's a recommendation. Do you want to watch a great um, Texas-made robocop ripoff from the late 80s rotor which is fantastic but um uh on 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 a on a note that's more pertinent um uh the our rotor i think our rotor surplus rotor broke and da 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 and glenn corbett's like no it didn't get out of here you you scallywag go home have a good time and then glenn corbett immediately calls up some some kind of big white guy in a pool who's like (laughs) i'll kill him you know it's like like, oh wow another one of those guys wow that's um that's like i don't know was glenn a larson like beaten up by a lot of like big white guys that look like that when he was young or something where he was like these are always the bad guys (laughs) well what about maybe someone these are the bad guys (laughs) do it come on okay glenn i don't know okay
1: were you as uncomfortable as I was when he did call – Glenn Corbett did call the guy up and the guy was in the pool, and I just was very uncomfortable with that. Like I didn't – I just – I felt like he shouldn't be plotting someone's demise while sitting nipples in deep in a, what looked like a hot tub. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's – yeah, yeah. I know we – we all like to be comfortable, but there there are certain... Like, I, I would love to be sitting on a plush couch right now, but I'm sitting in an uncomfortable chair talking into a microphone. Hello? You know, this is... You got to do what you got to do. It it brings your... You know, I can't like... If I were in a pool plotting someone's death, it would be like... Yeah, I'll take him. Yeah. What do you want? All right, we got him. Oh, Yeah. Oh, there's the bubbles. Oh, the bubbles are nice, aren't they? They go right. Oh, yeah. will oh, take care of it. Whatever. I'll write this down. No, I don't have a pen. I'll write it in the water. Oh, it'll be great. Mm. Yeah, now I'm, I'm mostly naked. I'm in the pool. <sighs> that would be me do- in that scene. So that would be why you rewrote that scene to not have me do that. Yeah, because if night.
1: it was me doing the scene, it would be like I'm not answering the phone. I'm in the pool. I, I can't talk exactly. on the phone. I'm in the I'm in the pool. Exactly. I'm off duty. When I? You see me in the water? This means I'm <laughs> off work. We don't yes. we don't we don't handle assassinations
0: while I'm in the pool. It just doesn't not happen. In the pool. Not in the pool. I don't I don't even know why I answered the phone in the pool. To be honest, I was so com- you heard me. I was so comfortable, you know. And I've already lost the address. Hello. <laughs> so um, and I do I do I, I I will say this, and then I'll ask you what else you have. You have some cast stuff. Um, I do like um, I do like the wife of Glenn Corbett's character, who is kind of they pitch as a Sue esque character, which is fun. I like her. Um, because because she's going up against Auto Man, who is the JR character. So he's like, mm, Sue Ellen, I already got you. I'm after I'm after other stuff. You know, how many times did JR and Sue Ellen divorce in the show? Twice, I think, if I remember correctly. But Sue Ellen gets the big zing in at the end of season eleven or twelve. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but she gets a there's a I don't know if you if you haven't watched Dallas there's a meta thing that Dallas does circa season eleven or twelve which is like if you're watching you're like wow I can't believe they're doing this and then this, the cliffhanger is like wow. But that's – this Sue Ellen is not that Sue Ellen because you're looking at Delta Burke in her red dress. So there you go. So, Krista, what else do you have on the – anything else on this one? I, I don't know what's going on. Hey, I'm in the pool, and I just <laughs> – uh, Wait, what's going on?
1: Oh, oh the party. Well, there's Ooh. two things because one, they go to a, – Yes. A, the meeting between the guy that ends up getting killed and the other guy in the pool – happens at a singles club which they said they've met there before and I'm I'm concerned that you're doing business at a singles club yes and they played bow, that bow. song multiple times they got their use out of that <laughs> <laughs> did, I'm did, just like did, so, I guess I shouldn't have been so disconcerted that he was conducting business in a
0: pool when he also conducts business at a singles club Thing. That's what That's exactly. And it's like, and, and Desi, well, Walter is like, oh, that's on Um i got to tell you, Lancashire Boulevard, uh, for you folks who may not know L.A., my wife and I lived on Hesby Street from 2001 to 2008. Hesby Street is a small street, Camarillo in the valley. Camarillo, San Fernando Valley, Camarillo, Vineland, and Lankersham meet up at one intersection. And then Vineland and Lankersham split and go different directions. So there is a space of about half a mile. No, it's not half a mile. I don't know. I lived there for seven years. I don't know how long it was. Like six blocks, maybe, where Vineland and Lankersham expand by a block for each block and then become sort of their own proper streets and we were in the middle in Hesby and so if you left our apartment building if you walked eh, I don't know um, three big apartment buildings to the left you'd be on Lancashire if you walked three big apartment buildings to the right you'd be on Vineland Vineland in the first half of the 2000s had three of the best video stores around Super-duper video at Vineland and Magnolia. That's Magnolia, After the movie, the movie Magnolia. That's the street. Eddie Brandt's Saturday Matinee, which was in between them, which is basically I walked two blocks across the street. I was at this video store. And then I walked two blocks south, and I was at Odyssey Video, which was next to the Iliad bookshop. You get it? Huh? Come on. It was such a cool place to live, and just to hear oh, it's on Lancashire Boulevard. I was like, we're on Lancashire Boulevard. Because I was like, I could run to Lancashire Boulevard in 74 seconds, you know, throughout the 2000s. So that was, I I never went to that singles bar. My (laughs) wife would have punched me a lot if I had.
1: But you notice how quickly Walter knew what club that, Auto man was talking about immediately, immediately. and that immediately. now, and I didn't realize that until you brought it up, and I'm like, now I'm thinking he—that's he, not his first time there, is it?
0: No, yeah. no, no, no. Because if he's LAPD, he's probably he is probably from the the um the buildings we see the the houses and things. He's probably over the hill. He's in Los Angeles. Lancashire is the valley. So so that means he's going into the valley. To go to the singles bars, and and there's a great moment too in um what is it the Robert Altman film The Long Goodbye, um, with uh, Elliot Gould, um the, the Raymond Chandler um, adapted one where uh, Elliot Gould's character is like arrested and winds up at a, a at a police station in Lancashire. Plus, also I think it's um, New Year's Evil, Ventura and is it Ventura in Lancashire? No, I'm, I got that wrong. It's Ventura and Laurel Canyon, which is right next to Ventura, Lancashire. I don't know. It's like, it's the valley is basically what it is. It's like if if you are in Beverly Hills or somewhere like that or somewhere like Swank, you're not going to a singles bar in Lancashire. That's um, that's that. I want to call it the ghetto because that that's that makes it sounds a, a little strange, but. You're you're going from like places where like, yeah, yeah. You're going to strange places if you're in the in in the there. If you're going from L.A. to the Valley, it's a bit strange. And so the fact that Walter knows that, maybe he knows a lot. Maybe he knows more than we know. I don't know. He's Desi Arnaz Junior.
1: <laughs> yes, he knows many things. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that.
0: Yay. Um. Uh. So let me. I'm gonna scan my notes one more. I'm sorry. Went off on a on a valley <laughs> tangent there. Well, the moment he said Lancashire, I was like, what? Um. So you you don't normally hear a street you like live right next to get referenced in, yeah. <laughs> in a TV show I know
1: it rarely happens for me as well out here in the <laughs> cornfield. <laughs>
0: um. So let me do a, a scan through my notes, and you do a scan through yours. And um, what do we got here?
1: Um. Oh. We didn't, see, yeah. You, you mentioned we didn't see Roxanne or Jack Curtis very much, or the Captain very much. Mm-hmm. But did you notice Roxanne has come a long way from where she was saying that you can't use a hologram to solve crime to telling Walter that if he wants to figure out what that the, yes. the initials were in the the date book, he needed to ask Auto Man. So we've yes. seen character development happen. Minimal yes. character development, but it happened.
0: But it happens, yeah. I, I I am anxious to to see if that continues. As I'd like I. to see if that continues. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think mm, I think that's all I have for this one. I mean, it's um, Delta Burke is, is gorgeous, and Auto Man is gorgeous, and um, they're fun to watch. That, like I said, the the storyline doesn't grab me much. But but what else do you have on this, Kristen? Anything else?
1: Um. Yeah. Because. Where am I? Oh, so they're at that <laughs> party, and they're, the, the couple that's there, uh, they bought the company from the bad guys, from Glenn Corbett. And to keep them, to basically get them to, to drop their deal, Auto Man first pretends to uh, say that he's got more money and he wants to buy the company, and he proceeds to seal this deal by insulting that couple so they'll leave. And you know, not want to buy the company. Yes. And it is the greatest thing ever because he basically <laughs> insinuates that this the wife who is older, both the the couple are older, was yeah. a really, really popular figure with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. And she's like imagine like Ruth Gordon or someone, folks, you know, that that's kind of, you know. Imagine her being the, the Dallas Cowboys favorite. Well maybe, yeah. <laughs>
1: But did you recognize the, uh, the the husband of that couple?
0: I recognized him, and I was hoping you'd tell me who he was.
1: Of course I will, because that was Walter Brooke. We saw him for, what, 25, 26 episodes of Green Hornet. He was uh, the, the district DA Scanlon.
2: Oh, of course! Egg,
1: yeah. So oh, twenty gosh. some years later,
0: there we are. Wow! Wow! See, that's why I bring these. You know, you 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 all may think you listen to these episodes thinking, Dan, why do these people come back? What's going on? What's happening? It's all a plan. <laughs> it was all planned. And oh, that's oh, yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh! I I'm oh my gosh. Yeah, I I'm putting them up right here. Oh wow, that's crazy. Scanlan. Yeah.
1: And the bad guy's name was Scanlan too, so we had excess Scanlan in this
0: episode. <laughs> there was a lot of Scanlon going on, and there was a wily coyote roadrunner style brick wall at the end.
1: Yes, I cannot tell you how much I loved that. It was so ludicrous and yet so wonderful. I laughed so yes. hard because all of a sudden there's this wall. And uh, you also got to see back in the 80s, for, for the young people who might be listening, back in the <laughs> 80s, the cars were actually like cars. They had a lot of car to them. They were called land yachts. Yeah. And there's Delta Burke in the the floorboard of this car. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, because that's back when you had that kind of leg room where you there's could put space. a full-grown yeah. human yeah. down there. Yes. but yeah, so he's like hightailing it along this road. That brick wall comes out of nowhere. Thanks, Cursor. And when he slides to a stop, that car rocks on two wheels. Yes. Oh my gosh, it was so great, wow. and it and it was so yeah. Wiley Coyote. I loved it, absolutely loved it. And then it fantastic. disappears, and he's like, I could have sworn there was a wall here. <laughs> <laughs> and literally...
0: I wanted. So...
1: It's like a Deus oh, Sex Machina, but
0: it's like, but it's,
1: it's cartoon it's version.
0: Gorgeous! It's it's gorgeous! It's an Auto Man. Like if like this is what I want Auto Man to do. Like and then I want him to hold up that 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 sign in front of the guy that has like a screw and a ball on it. And just like look <laughs> at the guy and go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, that's what I, that's how I wanted the episode to end. Uh, that's right. That I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you have anything else? I just, I will say that I just paused it, and that's definitely Scanlan.
1: Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. One, the <sighs> one last thing I have okay. that I think would be a good note to end on because we do end yes. in in uh, Walter's apartment because he's working on that video game, and the the chief comes in to with Roxanne and Jack to to congratulate them on a job well done, brings champagne and everything. Yes. And I love that. Finally we get some good camaraderie going. But I love most is the fact that the caps in there even when he's not shouting, it still feels like he's shouting. And I appreciate that dedication.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I think that is the that is the perfect note to end our discussion of this on uh, because that is correct you because one of the things about the cops in all these shows is they yell a lot and even when they aren't yelling in your heart they're yelling so I will just say Kristen let's wrap it up Kristen um where where can we find you online
1: you can find me at my blog kikiwritesabout dot com it is the home of my podcast Bookham Dano an old Hawaii Five O podcast. Yes. Covering the 1968 Hawaii Five O series, please give it a listen. It's a good time, trust me. And if you need my uh, random factories that I have going on here, with you know, I I know everybody who is in everything. um, You can follow me on Twitter (laughs) at Kiki Rides.
0: And I will say, um, if if any of you are listening to my podcast, the Happy Days podcast, imagine uh, imagine the Happy Days podcast, but with better research. And with like a better overall structure to it, and uh, you know, imagine that—that's the Bookham Danocast. Ima- imagine if you can think of some jackass sitting in front of a microphone after having watched a Happy Days episode and yammering. Imagine someone doing that well, <laughs> for a Hawaii Five O. That's Bookham Danocast, except possibly the episode I was on, which was actually a lot of fun, though. So, so, um, so I recommend her podcast incredibly and we're five we aren't halfway in i was going to say we might be halfway in not quite so the next episode is what is the next episode the next episode is oh my gosh folks the next episode is flashes and ashes i may have made that up but i think that's the next episode so let's join uh, who what's next i don't know listen to this What happened to April, March 20th, 1981, directed by Edward M. Abrams, written by Stephen Downing, adapted from the novel Death of a Doxy, which was written in 1966, for heaven's sake. So, this is fairly close, 15 or so years away from when it's actually set. But in this one, which is the last one in March, and according to Wikipedia, in April, which will be the next episode, Gambit, the show was moved to Tuesday night, so it wasn't up against Duke's Hazard anymore. It just says in April, I'm going to guess maybe next episode So in this one, uh, if you know Death of Doxy, This one is sort of what's going on there They find a dead woman fished out of the, um, the, uh, uh, down at the harbor down by the docks They, they fish out the body of a dead woman Who had in a, a really nice sort of place uptown And it turns out that Saul Panzer uh, used to stay there to save himself the cost of a hotel room, he used to stay there overnight on occasion. He was good friends with April. They are both lonely souls, and they would chat. But she was sort of a uh, kept woman. Uh, there was someone who was paying for her apartment. Would come by a few nights a week to spend with her. When Saul sees. April's body, he's, he's in the car with the cop, uh, they're doing insurance investigation, the cop is called down to the docks, he goes down there, has looked look at the body, Saul sees it, so Saul immediately goes to her apartment, April's apartment, to take some of his things out of there, but he's caught and arrested, so now Wolf and Archie have to, um, they, they don't believe that Saul... Killed her But they begin to investigate it And talk to the medical examiner a lot Who's not too convinced that she drowned Um, We meet uh, her sort of best friend Who is a singer at a local club and um, uh, her best friends I don't. I, I forget if she's he's the husband Or just promoter, love, interest, boyfriend And they always hang out at the club We learn that April tried to get a job at the club But her singing wasn't good enough Then we meet April's sister Who's very cold and isn't interested in April at all She is engaged to a math professor They're both math professors And she doesn't want April's sorted stuff You know, living as a kept woman A doxy um, Brought out in, in, into the light of day and Archie is investigating, and Wolf is kind of sitting around, and Saul is kind of hanging out. We're trying to figure out who killed April. What's going on? And and one of the big things being, how was she killed? And it actually the the head coroner, medical examiner, is actually killed too when he sort of finds out what's going on. But there's an, uh, there's another one, sort of his assistant. She and she helps out, but it's it's basically who killed April? And did Saul do it? Probably not. But then who did? and i'll just leave it at that um i'm gonna i'm gonna to hop to the um the, the the bit here um uh the we're gonna to hop to the main chat here it's a bit bit different this week you'll hear what's going on when it begins um you you're gonna hear a little blast of music and then you're gonna hear me about an hour before i recorded this with a um a guest very special guest here we go <laughs> What did happen to April? Episode 9, Nero Wolf. We're in 1981 still, everybody. And pardon me. In this episode, we got got a little bit of uh, something different going on here. Uh, Tim, the great Tim S. Turner, don't ask what the S stands for because he won't tell you. He said he's been having um, some back problems, and so we're wishing him the best. He will be back soon. And um, good vibes, good vibes. Woo, right at you, Tim. And um, I'm actually here with a surprise guest. George the dog.
3: Surprise! Surpri- it is I, George the dog. <laughs>
0: Hello, and my sweet wife Madeline. How are you, sweet?
3: I'm well, thanks. How are you?
0: Good, good. We um, we we are we got a little popcorn after, mm-hmm. from watching the Nero, so you may hear us munching on some popcorn. Yeah,
3: it's good. It's
0: good popcorn, is it's what hot it is. its it pepper in it.
3: Very nice. I hope you feel better, Tim.
0: Yeah. Uh, like I said, the good vibes have been sent through this microphone Absolutely. to him. Absolutely, our you're...
3: sound waves are going right to your back <laughs> pain. And as I learned from this episode of Nero, you can solve most science problems by killing mice.
0: Yeah, that's true. So we actually got six mice here, and uh, I'm strangling one of them while not getting while we're talking. We
3: name them all April because <laughs> what you know what happened to April? Nothing good. Mm. Not like April Ludgate on uh, Parks and Rec. Where she she lots ended of up things having a good time, to her, yeah. But this April, not so not much. Not so
0: much. So, so you had never seen this Nero Wolfe version before? No, oh.
3: I've never seen the one with uh, Conrad Horsley.
0: And the gang, and Weiner. <laughs> Why, That's that, that. That was actually the law firm I worked at for three years yes. uh, earlier this decade, um, or last <laughs> decade. Uh, so, but we have the 2000-2001 one, the A and E one with Timothy Hunt and Maury and We've, I think, watched that all the way through at least twice. Yeah. So, uh, probably very, more than that. I'm very, very
3: fond of
0: that. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry. Oh, oh, So, I was just going to say because oh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But what, what were your, what were your impressions on this version and? What were your impressions of the episode in general?
3: Oh, okay, sure. So, as I said, I'm quite attached to the Timothy Hutton, Maury Chaykin, Nero Wolf. So, it's hard to know how I would feel about it had I never seen that before, had I never Mm -hmm. been exposed to that Nero Wolf. Because I think this is a solid, like, you know, hour-long detective mystery story. Um is that what we call them these days? Mystery, mystery stories. stories, yes, yes. Uh-huh.
0: It's a mystery thing. It was up against Dukes of Hazard, so I don't know. Okay. Um, um. Uh.
3: So. So yeah, it was. It was solid in that way, but I did find myself sort of longing for the uh, the relationship of uh, Maury and Tim, mm-hmm. my friends, Maury and Timmy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I I did like the the feminist uh, uh, slant we got with the doctor in this yes, episode. Sorry, yeah. with the assistant coroner who's a woman. Yes, yes. Uh, a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. woman, because I'm sort of realizing growing up in the '70s and '80s, um, I, I I guess I sort of thought in order to do of anything of any import, you had to also be beautiful. <laughs> If you wanted to be a coroner, you needed to be a beautiful coroner. <laughs> well, she <laughs> has... whereas men could have any sort of assortment yes, of you yeah, know yeah. Uh, fun, uh, fun different looks. Mm-hmm, Women, mm-hmm. Uh, you you pretty much need to be classically beautiful to mm-hmm. do anything well. But uh, it did save itself when she talked about being a woman in science. She's got a nice uh, uh, bit of dialogue with mm-hmm, Nero where mm-hmm. she says, you know, being a woman sort of does get in the way of people taking you seriously it doesn't get in the way of your ability to kill mice because boy oh no,
0: boy they whew.
3: do you think people get into science because they hate mice
0: that could be it too many uh too many moments of watching mom leap up on the uh, chair screaming
3: yeah ah, ah, let's, no. let's just kill some mice and, and say it's for science my,
0: my mom was killed by a mouse yes. <laughs> So I'm getting into pathology. At a
3: certain point, we, as we were watching it, and they're lifting a body out of the ocean, you said <laughs> you said it was just a bunch of mice. Yeah, so we murdered. found
0: 18 mice. Get the little body bags. <laughs> the
3: mice murders.
0: The mice murders of New York City.
3: Uh, but yeah, it was it was good fun, though. You mm-hmm. know, Lee Horsley reminded me of Huey Lewis a couple times. Mm, sure. And then there was another man in the episode who reminded me yes. of Huey Lewis. So it was like... Lewis following Lewis, yes. so things got kind of meta in Charlie Kaufman for me. <laughs> uh, the Huey
0: Lewis mysteries.
3: And I enjoyed the parts where Nero was very Nero with his cook and like, yes. talking about this uh, yak veal. Yak veal
0: and, and, and the yak, yak milk. milk.
3: And he, they were making something delicious. I also find George Weiner very funny.
0: Yeah, I um, do like to, yeah.
3: He's, he plays Sal, Sal mm-hmm, Panzer.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I think he's a, I, I really like this take on mm-hmm. Sal. In this uh, mm-hmm. I like him in the Tim Hutton one as well,
0: mm-hmm. but I,
3: I I think he's really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The apartment, the town home there. Oh, yeah. uh, I like his office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that that's kind of as far as that thought went. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say because you, you, you started you out asked, strong, you and asked then about ended that, like a dead mouse.
0: The initial room he was in, because we see him in a room that looks more like um.
3: It looked a little like a Golden Girls room.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, it looked like he was. It's
3: a lot like... of peachy tones.
0: Yes, and... I thought,
3: has he gone to Boca Raton?
0: And it's almost like he's in another part of the greenhouse or something where they set up a little um, space for him to sit because yeah. wasn't there like a window like a greenhouse style? Yeah, that that window... room
3: confused me a little bit, but then when we got into his office and the like, kitchen, okay, I thought. There. Okay, this feels very narrow
0: yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought my, myself, I just feel that the, um, I always feel that the, uh, in in this version, that the, um, his office feels a little too uh, cramped. It is a
3: little to close. Me.
0: It's, it's a little small. Where I, I think like. But it
3: has ample seating.
0: It has lots of seating. Yeah, I, I just think there should be lots of space and it's missing, it seems to be missing that room the room that they put people in, like yes. the waiting room where they can't hear what's mm-hmm. going on in the main room, which is, which is, you know, I guess it's a question of budget, but this was a yeah. network um, show. So you think, why, why do it? Unless you're going to put a little cash behind the main set yeah. for every episode. Kind and of. no
3: matter whoever plays Nero, I always hear my mom, may she rest in peace when mm. she watched the Maury Chaykin one and she really liked it, uh-huh. and, but she sort of paused and she said, he's not fat enough. <laughs>
0: like yeah.
3: having read all of them. she yes,
0: just
3: yeah. She she just really felt he should be even more corpulent. So I think that anytime yes. I see anybody play Nero Wolf, I'm like, yeah, no, you're, you're just yeah. not, you're not. I don't know who would be fat enough. Yeah, I don't know who would be fat enough. Who could actually <laughs> and still we wouldn't worry about. Be yeah. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and, we wouldn't
0: worry about the general health.
3: So, yeah, those yeah. were my general thoughts. How about you? Well, what were your thoughts about it? I,
0: I, I, I think it's a decent episode. I The the, the thing is, I, I have read... Not, not counting the the fact that Death of Doxy was made into a two thousand A an and E version, but I've read the novel too, and they um, this says based on Death of Doxy, and, and the basic premise is the same, but they do a lot of twisting and turning, and some of it is sort of. Uh, seems unnecessary or strange to me like there are some things in the ending that you sort of twist and turn on and yeah. it's 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 interesting because if you've read it you're expecting something and then something else happens, but it doesn't fully work for me um
3: tell me more about that I try i can't
0: i can't really i don't really want to ruin the ending is, oh, okay. is the tricky thing um I just um
3: it well, felt for, a little contrived, like how yes. they got to the conclusion or the solving of
0: it. Yeah, um, it almost seemed random uh, mm. when when they got to the because in the in the book there are more suspects.
3: I know you it, don't like to give it away, but it was one of the mice.
0: Yeah, it was one of the mice with a gun. He was one of the. He was a junkie. He was a junkie. <laughs> they spent all day shooting him up with junk. He broke out. He had a gun. He killed had a, He killed
3: all of his friends
0: gun. He had a problem. Screw he just, you, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but no, it's sort of like there. So, so there's one thing where it's like, you know, they, there's a blackmailer and he's using the name Milton Thales. And if you know where Thales is from and, and, Wolf explains it in here, you, your, your mind kind of goes to one particular person in it. Um, but in this when they actually get to reveal who He's the black- a mouse king. Yes, when they actually get to reveal who the blackmailer is, there's never a point where it's like, Why did you use that name? Did you oh, know yeah, that true. did you know that this guy was a mathematician? Mm-hmm. Because it's never mentioned. It would be something like you and you use that name to put suspicion on him. It's never mentioned that he chose the name of like the first Geometrician is that a word? The first person who used who, who we think used geometry in the history of the world, at mm-hmm. least the Western world. And remember, um, there wasn't used, Google
3: back then. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so you had to put in some effort to figure yes, that out.
0: Yes, and and so is is there is I there, would
3: assign my uh, I would have signed Milton Math.
0: Yeah, that would have been even better, Milton yeah. Mathman. And it it would have been funny if it was just Milton
3: like I heart numbers, <laughs> Mathman.
0: It would it would have been great maybe if like the blackmailer had um. Like, maybe he had an uncle whose last name was Thales, and he loved Milton Berle. So it was supposed to be like the Milton was like the main trigger thing. But it's it's specifically said that it's Thales, the mathematician, and someone <coughs> is a mathematician. But then when they get to the reveal, it's like, oh, how you know, sweetie?
3: Sorry, I was just suddenly overcome because I realized if you're ever going to blackmail someone, you're really going to put some thought into the name you use. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like Johnny Everyman. I also should mention it's about 115 degrees today. It
0: is. It's pretty hot out today. We're okay in here. But so uh,
3: everything feels wavy. <laughs> and, um,
0: um,
3: but yes, yeah, so that's a good point.
0: It's, it, and it's just, it just feels like in the end... And, and, and to... And I, it's, it's weird because if you know the character, one of the characters who's involved in the 1981 version with the killing of April in the book... And in the A and E version, she was like her best friend, and there is no way in hell she would have done it. But in here, it's like she was involved there, and that's it. There, there's no kind of. And this really gives it away if you're watching it. But it's real. It really just feels like the person who adapted it was like, okay, we're going to put a twist on mm-hmm. it for anybody who doesn't know. But then they didn't think it all the way through yeah. because yeah. when they get to the end and well, who did it? It was you. My first thought was. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It was that person. And then when they explain it, it's like Um it, it it it's it's funny, it's like, would you go into like I don't know, like like um pick pick your favorite Sherlock Holmes novel, pick your favorite Sherlock Holmes story, or your favorite Poirot. Would you go into would you go into the end of Murder on the Orient Express and change it just to give the the viewers a bit of a surprise? <laughs> like a bit of a thrill. Like yeah, we thought true. it was gonna end like this, but then we had it end this way. Which isn't as satisfying and feels like we're making it yeah. up. So, so the the I I I enjoyed it. It was just not that it needs to exactly replicate what was going on. But if you put if you have every single sort of clue and everything going one direction, and then you decide to flip it in the end, you got to make it work. Mm-hmm. And this didn't feel like it made made this didn't feel like yeah I, it, it made wouldn't it have taken much me. either. I don't no, think it wouldn't have no. taken
3: too much to to tie you know to explain why. Even though it was a twist, it made sense. Like the, uh, the logic behind mm-hmm. um, the the actual person who did it doing it.
0: Yes, and I mean, if mm-hmm. it, like the blackmailer had been named like Stephen Agent or something like that, Jonathan Promoter, that would have made more sense for the person who yeah. did it. And it, because you just get to because the mm-hmm. first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I missed the explanation of why he used that, why the blackmailer I explained why he used myself that name.
3: Steve, it wasn't me.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: Also, I so, love that he calls the Himalayas the
0: Himalayas. Himalayas. Yes, the Himalayas. That was
3: fantastic. <laughs> but Nero, yeah, mm, the Himalayas. It's he, so William Conrad seems a little friendly to me. I mean, of he's only a friendly. The, yeah, he's a friendly, friendlier wolf, wolf isn't yeah, he?
0: Yeah, yeah. And he takes people up to the plant room all the time, which which Wolf is not does not want. Yeah. Um And it's it's weird because there is a brief, a couple of brief moments we rewatch some of Death of a Doxy, the A and E version, and although we see Wolf with the plants more. And we don't see Maury Chaykin's character with the plants as much. And we certainly don't see not... What's his name? Ta- her, her, the 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 plant guy. The mm-hmm. guy who does the plants. Theodore. He's not. Yes, he's not in the A&E version, although he's mentioned. He's not in the A&E version. Even though we don't see Maury Chaykins' wolf at, with the plants as much, there are, like, there's a moment in Death of a Doxy where the camera's looking up in a mirror and you see wolf come in with an orchid, yes. which he's clearly picked himself, and he sets it down in the corner and he kind of moves it a little and he looks at it lovingly and then he sits down. And in that moment... I got more of a feeling that he loved his plants than all of William Conrad futtering around with stuff yeah. up up in the thing. I have to say,
3: it did feel like more of a prop in the uh, the the one that we're talking about, yes, the Conrad yeah. version. That the orchids seemed like more of a plot point prop mm-hmm. than. Yeah, I agree. Like with Maury Chaykin in that one moment, you see. What the orchids mean to him how precious he he is with mm -hmm. them how protective he is of them Mm -hmm. it seemed odd to me he'd have so many people in the uh yes especially uh, because
0: it's supposed to be such a controlled environment yes and
3: it's his such his environment too like he's so precious with it Mm -hmm.
0: and that's that's this that's his i mean he said before that the reason why he does detective work is because what he loves eating and his orchids cost a lot of money so he has to do so
3: I do always love in the Chaikin one how how much this detective stuff is a nuisance to him yes like it's such a nuisance he knows he has to do it to feed his habits there does usually come a point where it becomes a fascination in and of itself and he needs to solve it but there's always this little sense of like i'd so much rather be with my orchids or my beer or my food yes yes Yes. although
0: william conrad does get a great moment where he drinks a full thing of beer in one take and you could see him sort of he looks at it kind of blows blows on it a bit takes a deep breath Mm -hmm. and then chugs down the whole thing
3: yeah yeah
0: um so uh, uh, I
3: mean, he's great. I, I really I like him. It's just mm-hmm. a different take on Wolf. It's a yes. little friendlier. It's a it's, little more like a, I don't know, like the, he's the, more
0: aff, affable. Yes, um, and and he's less of like because um, Wolf is supposed to be kind of as he's like a hard not a hard ass, but sort of like he's got his thing he does, and it's very regimented, and he's. Doesn't give he, out a lot. He does of not love. care what people think yes, about him. Yes,
3: yes. I mean, I guess his reputation is important to him in so much as it brings him business and it's, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he sustains himself, but he could care less if somebody thought he was rude or, you know, yes, like that yeah, type of thing. Yeah, it's. And I, I, this felt like an attempt to make him more approachable, mm-hmm. more likable. And what I like so much about Nero Wolf is that he really is not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has his standards, certainly, yes. but uh, he is not a a person who cares.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's not a big smiler and he's not, and I, have forgotten too that um, the, the difference even in words, which is William Conrad's Wolf's main word is satisfactory. That's right. Whereas Maury Chaykin's main word is flummery, flummery, (laughs) which is, uh, I think a more fun word. It is such a good word. So, uh, and, and interesting, uh, I'll ask you this one and then we'll, we'll, um, Mm -hmm. because I guess at the end of the day, I think what, what happened to April is, is a fun, Detective episode, circa nineteen eighty one. Definitely, it's, it's no, it's no world beater. It's not. Um, pulling someone's up. pulling up in our driveway, and it's no. Are they bringing know. food? Are they, you they bring bringing food or food? ice cream? I guess no. they're just turning oh, around. Too bad. Yeah. Um, it's it's not like a um, like like much of the series. It's not kind of a, a world beater. It's not you're not watching going. This is the best detective show ever. It's a decent. It's a fun
3: way to pass an hour. Yeah, exactly. Forty five minutes. Yes, yeah,
0: it's a fun way. And as I, I think I may have said previously, like when we talk like episode three, four, and five, like when I watch an episode that I really like, I'll watch another one immediately, mm-hmm. and that's that's fun. It's a fun way to pass the time. But it's um, it, at at times I. Having read all the books, at times I and seen the the A and E version, I have some troubles. And I will ask you one more question about the 1981 one, and then we will just one one, okay. and then we will just do a quick. Well, we've already done some, but a quick like, um, just chat about because we briefly went through death of a doxy. Yeah, talk about mice. We briefly went through death of mm-hmm. a doxy where there are no mice, uh, which is a 90 minute A and E one, mm-hmm. um, which is more works better because it was a novel and they don't have to cut as much yes. out of it That's so I would just ask this because one of the things is you have Wolf and Wolf is not terribly charming and he's got his gruff way about him and things but Archie is supposed to be sort of this charming good looking conduit in there and I know I know, you're a fan of Timothy Hutton as Archie mm-hmm. who would not be um, what do you think of Mr. Matt Houston Lee Horsley as um, Archie
3: Well, I've only seen this one episode with him so um, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. You know, he's a, he's a nice looking man. He's fine. I didn't quite get the, uh, he seemed a little Southern to me. And oh. Archie mm. seems very New York, New York City yeah. to me. Um, uh, I didn't quite get the ladies man element to him and the tongue in cheek, sarcastic man about town. Um, he was a fine assistant you know uh, yeah I think uh, <laughs> I, so, uh, I, I, I yeah I, that's, I, that was my feeling about it
0: I, I think I, 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 the thing I, I still have the problem with Lee Horsley and I, I think I mentioned this when we were watching it is that the theory behind and I've said this before on here and I apologize if I'm repeating myself but I think the, the theory behind it is that when you read the books the majority of quite a few of the books is Archie out and about kind of like Dr. Watson in Hound of the Baskervilles but Dr. Watson isn't a detective but kind of like you're following Archie as he's doing his detective work assembling all the clues and then he goes back to Wolf and so you have Sam Spade basically going back to Sherlock Holmes or Poirot and and, and then together they, they mm-hmm. put it together and if Wolf wasn't in it you would probably have a pretty fine mystery yeah. just with Archie. Whereas with Lee Horsley's, mm-hmm. and I would see that with Timothy Hunt, but with Lee Horsley's Archie, he does seem more like an assistant who's just yes. collating the facts.
3: And if this were just a, sh- a show called, like, Jake and the Fat Man, or, mm. uh, uh, that's a bad example because that was an actual show and I don't mean to confuse people. <laughs> Steve but and the like,
0: Corpulent Fellow.
3: Yes, like, uh chubs and <laughs> and grits <or>. Chubb,
0: Chubb. <laughs> that is southern it's a very southern detective southern Chubb, version of chubs
3: and grits hate mice yeah
0: but it would have
3: been really it would have been fun and fine but mm-hmm. because i have this other you know i have it because it is nero wolf i guess mm-hmm. my expectation of archie was a little different but i think you said it perfectly he's he's a fine assistant mm-hmm. that's how they kind of have it, it written at least in this episode yeah, yeah. um he doesn't really seem to be driving anything, or, yes. you know. But he, he's um he's out. He's uh, he's talking to coroners. Uh-huh. He's almost shooting coroners. Yes, some, yes. At one time. point, yeah. yeah. Uh, very beautiful coroners. Love the coroners. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, ladies who do math
0: and mm-hmm. ladies who
3: sing in nightclubs. Yes, exactly. Um,
0: with electric piano and little guys with giant guitars. Little
3: guys with this <laughs> guy <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> he keeps playing his guitar and then he pauses and I think he's gonna sing. He's gonna have a beautiful soaring tenor or a bass voice. And he's then he's, you then he keeps out. Then he talks and then he does it again and then he strums, 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 strum, pause and I'm waiting for it. Oh, gonna... And he's just. And coming and out, try try the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> dee dee dee
0: and we saw, like, what was, real was it? It was fake out. You it saw Jim Henson, Jim Henson on bass. Jim Henson on bass and Ed Gein on uh, electric <laughs> you, piano.
3: You said Ed Gein wearing his mother's face. <laughs> yes,
0: Ed Gein with his mother's face on electric piano. I've been uh, watching Mindhunter, uh, so. <laughs> uh, let's hop on to um, uh, the, the... So we did watch some of the, the, the A&E one. What did you think of that one?
3: I love that episode. Yeah.
0: It's Timothy Hunt directed.
3: Yes, um... Uh, they really they they just i the, the the relationship between archie and nero is so good and so well defined and done so uh they do so much with so little like that moment with the orchid that you were mm-hmm. talking about yeah it's just, and they have more time too like you yeah. said it's a 90 minute episode so they have more time but I love it. What do you think of it?
0: I I, I like it very very much. I, I would say I love it too. I um, we
3: were just planning to sort of skim through it, but we, but we found ourselves watching about half of, of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's really it's um, really fun, and they do. If you haven't seen it, they use the same core cast. Yes, uh, so like they have the guest anything. stars are the same actors playing different mm-hmm. uh, roles every time, and that's really fun too. It gives it this sort of insular mm-hmm. winky. Feel to it and
0: um and uh is it Carrie Matchett yeah, I think is her name she, she plays two roles in this one the, that's right the kind of semi-girlfriend of 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 Archie yeah. and um Jackie Jackett big man yes big man, big man. she got the great seed she's fantastic um, yeah. she
3: plays so many different roles so mm-hmm. many different dialects and mm-hmm. she's She's really a great actor.
0: And one of our all-time favorites, Mr. James Tolkien, is also in it playing, generally the bald guy. So great. Except when he has a hairpiece on in a so, couple of the episodes, but he's so good. So great. And, and one of the things they do, too, I notice in the... Now, the that show was shot widescreen, but the A&E DVDs are not widescreen, and so that means a lot of the framing is a little tight. Um, but uh, one of the things I noticed, like, when they do the scenes where Wolf and, like, Archie are sitting down talking to each other, or they have um, a Saul and Fred there talking about Ori, and it's a very different—it It's it follows the book a lot more than the, the 1981 one, one, one does. Um, but one of the things I noticed is that, like, when they're on, everyone talking— um, it isn't like static shots of like wolf on one side and Archie on the other and then occasional like over the shoulders or close ups. It basically you'll get a, you'll get a setup, you'll get the master shot. and then the rest of it will be like it'll cut back and forth between the two of them, but as it cuts back and forth, the camera's always moving slightly. So when it's on Wolf, the camera will be panning slightly mm-hmm. to the right, and it goes to Archie. will be panning slightly to the left. So it goes back and forth. There's always movement, and it's there's always something going there on. Was it's, that it's never great, static. In
3: the William Conrad one that we watched, there was that great shot up in the orchid room where it's a. Uh, uh, they have that chair in the middle, remember? Oh, that was a
0: weird one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the
3: chair was really featured, and we thought, is that chair going to come to life yes. and
0: kill yes. <laughs> I forget. Is it? Is it Archie, like, on the left? And I forget is who's on Sal or- I, I think Sal? I think it's Sal. Yeah, it's Sal on the left. And Wolfs on the right. There's a doorway in between them, and in the background is a red chair. Cheery. And it looks like, yeah, it looks like it looks like a fake chair. It looks like a backdrop until Fritz walks up and past it. And you're like, hard. oh, that's a real chair. It's a really weird framing because it does look like the chair is in the center of the frame, and it's yeah. just why? Why? Do, I mean, I know we know Fritz is going to walk in, and this but may that's be the weird heat, framing.
3: And it may be heat stroke, but yes, to me the alternate ending to this episode has to do with chairs and mice killing everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I think I, I am enjoying the 1981 Nero mm-hmm. Wolf. Uh, we're nine episodes in, we have five left and I honestly can't say this is going to be one of my favorites like the A&E Nero Wolf is. I can, the A&E Nero Wolf I put on just for fun, just to enjoy. Whereas the Nero Wolf is like I, we've said, is a standard 80s detective show yeah
3: it's 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 solid uh and it was network so they had different strictures i'm sure on what they had to do which may be partly why this william conrad nero is a little more likable
0: um
3: and where they they got to i don't know i i always love these shows that kind of get to and i have I don't know if this is actually true, but I have the feeling that they probably had fewer eyes on them doing the A and E one. That the budget might probably, have been yeah. not quite as high. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, that's probably I th- that's th-
0: true. I, th- I think the thing, yeah, the th- well, the thing with the narrow wolf is, I know, like the they built the huge the the set, mm-hmm. then that huge set. That's one big set, like the hallway and the and the offices, one set. huge, and the kitchen. It's all one huge set that I think they built for the TV movie mm-hmm. when they probably had a slightly larger budget. And then they hoped it would be a show, so they just left it. Yeah. Would have left it. There's So sort of like a bat cave sitting there after mm-hmm. the pilot. And when they said do the show, they already had the main thing done. Yeah. So that's like already done and paid for. Like, a tar- like the TARDIS mm-hmm. set, like back in 1963, that was hugely expensive. But once they got that paid for, that was a set they could return to. And Beautiful. it was... Yes, and so, so it's
3: kind of like it reminds me of Arrested Development, where they they oh, kind the, the, of just the got house, to, yeah. Well, and oh. also they just kind of got to go out and do it without too many eyes on yes, them. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always find those yes. kinds of shows can be particularly delightful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yes, yeah, So I, I like the again. I like what happened to April, and there is a don't get me wrong no, with the mystery. Don't. She
3: got killed. She, she got no. I don't like what happened. She to got April. murdered to death. She
0: got murdered. To it's death. the
3: worst kind of way to get murdered. She,
0: and I, I, think I, I don't. If I hadn't read the novel or watched the a and I'd be perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. As, as I have, I think they take maybe one too many liberties, but they keep it moving. There's a lot going on. They do on. keep it
3: moving. They do keep it moving. So, and uh, lots of coroners. Quarters,
0: lots of coroners. Lots of...
3: beautiful eyes.
0: Lots of oh yeah the main guy who got killed.
3: He's a beautiful eyes. He's a beautiful eyes. He?
0: Little beady. You said they were a little beady. Well, maybe at first, but I just she grew to love him.
3: I did. I mean, I didn't like what he did to those mice.
0: Yeah, well, that one was a junkie. You know that.
3: Do you have to kill so many mice for science? Yeah, hey, really. you figure it out some other way?
0: Yeah, especially with that. It's it's funny that they had to because that insulin stuff. The way she's the way April is killed. I don't is isn't in the isn't in the novel yeah. or the A and E version. She's hit yeah, with an ashtray. Uh, that was an
3: interesting it plot point. Because
0: thought. that that's one of the things that keeps it sort of keeps the murders and the, the um, stuff happening in the mm-hmm. in the in the William Conrad one is that they don't know what killed her and they someone's trying to stop them from finding out because it might lead to something. So, yeah. so there's someone trailing Archie and there's someone killing the coroner and stuff like that. I used to and kill so bunnies, nice. too, to find yeah, out if you were yeah, pregnant. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Is there so, a dead
3: bunny for every person of, on Earth during a certain period of time?
0: I don't know. That oh, I can't answer. I just answer. made myself so sad. That I can't answer. So we'll wrap this up because so we're I'm getting, sorry, making ourselves sad. You can sad. cut that part out about the bunnies. <laughs> okay.
3: Was, uh, <laughs> so that not. was another beautiful Nero wolf. <laughs>
0: so um, so thank funny. you, thank you for for joining oh, me. Thanks
3: for inviting me and Tim. Feel better because yes. you're a much better uh, expert oh. on these things. I just talk about ladies <laughs> and buddies mice. and mice. My own no, shortcomings. Thank th- th- you. Th- have th- nothing to do with Nero wolf.
0: Thank you for for being here, and um, and yeah, I, I um, yeah ne- next time I think the, the next time is an interesting episode called Gambit. <gasps> uh, Based on the, uh, something called Booby Trap, one of the um, you things. Said booby. Although there is a novel called Gambit, a Nero <laughs> Wolf novel. You've Boobit. Boobit Trap.
3: I just put together Boob, boob and Gambit <laughs> by
0: mistake. <laughs> Boobit. Uh, so that was, um, that was episode eight, and nine. Uh, eight, nine, nine, ten, eleven. Nine. That was episode nine of Nero Wolf. Thank you again, sweetheart. Let's finish our popcorn okay. and relax. I'd
3: like to take you out on this note. Boob. Boob. <laughs> Hector!
0: ahead of time shadow chasers episode 13 directed by tony mordante written by the long streets renee and harry who had been working with uh, uh kenneth johnson for some time and they're they're good with you if you see their names on a script you're 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 gonna have a good time i, I think and the, the episode didn't have an air date first aired as far as i know on the armed forces network but by this point whatever it was that replaced shadow chasers had been airing for four weeks. If it hadn't been canceled already, uh, so uh, four weeks or more. So uh, ahead of ahead of time, which I keep almost calling ahead of our time, but it's ahead of time, is the final episode of Shadow Chases with the end of this journey. I'm going to give you a plot breakdown. That's going to be quick-ish, except I suddenly forgot the name of the. Leading lady in this episode. You'll hear in this next clip. So uh, it begins with Jonathan in his apartment. I actually thought he was in like a, a motel room somewhere, but apparently it's his apartment. And he's getting ready for a shower and he's singing, da 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 Put anyone down for being more Looney Tunes inclined than Mozart inclined. I'm I'm either way. I go either way. Um, and he's 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 getting ready for his um he's getting ready for his shower. And, um, we, we get a great moment where, um, you see like his shoes on the floor and then his pants drop, which was in so, so many slasher films or horror films of the first half of the eighties where a gal, a young gal, her, uh, you see her and her pants drop, you know, and then suddenly she's in her, you know, underpants or, or she's nothing. But here, here, Dr. McKenzie does, he's got a towel wrapped around him and he, um, he approaches the shower and as he's about to get to the shower, singing, Still singing along, there's a flash of lightning, and all of a sudden he hears a woman in the shower, and he kind of he picks up a um, it looks like a pig, um ceramic pig that you put like your toothbrush and toothpaste in or something like that, and he picks it up and he's approaching the shower and he's approaching the shower which seems to have a woman in it out of nowhere, and this happens. Begano, begano.
4: mackenzie what are, doing there? what
2: are you doing in here how
4: did you get in oh i just can't believe it's you you look exactly the way i thought you'd look at 30
2: of course it's 1986. Now, if this is some caseless sorority, prank, I am not amused.
4: Oh, I just can't believe it. They must have remodeled this place. It wasn't supposed to be a bathroom.
2: You know, little lady, and I hope I'm not being too generous. I want you out of here. Now! And I you can use the front door this time and you can tell your empty-headed friends that, that I did not even laugh. I didn't even smile!
4: But Professor, I know what you think, but that's not the case at all. I have something very serious to. Talk Come back! To... Oh. <sighs> uh could I have something to put on? Thank you, Professor. My, these are so much nicer than the paper ones. Now, Professor, I know it's going to be hard to understand what I'm going to say, but please listen to everything and try to keep an open... mind. Oh, clickety-click, will you look at this stuff? Oh, my Lord, wire hangers, do you know how much these are going to be worth? What? Oh, I'm sorry, Professor. My name is Lori, Lori Wilson, and I'm here on a very critical mission. Now, I work part-time for Dr. Benedict, and he doesn't...
2: Dr. Benedict! Oh, Benedict put you up to this! This time he's gone too far. I want you out of here now!
4: Now, don't jiggle out on me, Professor. Jiggle? I've come back because something awful has happened in the future. Future? Future? Yes, the year 2016, and you and I have a tremendous responsibility on our hands. Now, somebody is about to do something terrible, and we've got to stop him. Now, I know his name.
2: I don't know how Benedict convinced you to participate in this idiotic stunt, but... You really
4: don't believe me, do you? No. Glad you'd be so narrow. Look, Professor, 30 years from now, the
2: world is threatened in a way it's never been threatened before. That's it. That's it. Don't say I didn't warn you, Miss Wilson but I'm gonna call security. That is S as in sayonara, E as in enough, C as in chow, U as in unfunny,
0: R as in... Now she vanishes back into the shower, and yes, she is a time traveler. Uh, she... Re- she reappears the next day, and Jonathan. Well, Jonathan's talking to I think it's Michael Tipton is, is his name, I think, or, or we just call him Michael, um, who is a slightly troubled young man who's in the master's um, uh, department, who who is trying to get his master's, uh, working with Jonathan. And he's talking with Jonathan, talking with Benny and, you know, saying basically like, oh, thanks for that prank last night. And all of a sudden, Shower Girl shows up and starts to talk to Benny. And Benny's a little confused, but he's kind of going along with, um, yeah, the prank didn't work. Sorry about that, Professor McKenzie. Jonathan goes away and... Benedict is a little stymied And uh, this happens
4: Funny to see that old flag We have a new national anthem too Oh boy, you sure tell a convincing story Well, knowing you both as well as I do I mean in the year 2016 I figured that Professor McKenzie would have difficulty with the concept, but you, Dr. Benedict...
2: Dr. Benedict! I like the sound of that.
4: Oh, yes, you head up paranormal studies at Georgetown Institute. Actually
2: hold the Morehouse chair. Morehouse? You mean I inherited the old bag's office? Come on. Is that before or after the Chicago Cubs finally win the World Series? Oh, before. But they've wanted
4: the last four years, ever since they hired Billy Martin in 2012. Billy Martin, 2012? He'd have to be 90 years old. You mean nobody's punched him out yet? Doctor, I don't have time for this now. In the year 2016, the President of the United States and the Premier of Russia were assassinated. No kidding. And they were about to sign a treaty which would end the nuclear age forever. Instead, when I left, we were all just waiting for the first bomb to drop. And you came back to
2: change that? Well, I'm gonna
4: try. The assassin is Michael Tipton. You just saw him with Professor McKenzie. Well, that's what started the whole argument between the two of you in the first place. See, I came into the office to discuss a curriculum change. Well, you guys just kept going round and round. So uh, I ducked out, and um, I have a friend who's working on the matter-antimatter testing, and I decided to give it a try it's on my own. It's all
2: great stuff, Lori. I even like the fix you have on me and Johnny uh, Mac.
4: Well, what do I have to do to convince you? If I'm not back in the time window 72 hours from when I came in, then, well, I could dissolve, or dematerialize. Nobody knows for Not sure. that I
2: ever needed, but I wish you'd brought back some
4: proof. Well, but I tried, but the micro-docs got lost back in 1998, along with my best earrings. Look, Professor McKenzie can vouch for me. I arrived totally unencumbered. Well, I gotta tell you, you have an answer for everything. All right, all right, Doctor. Would you like to know what is required reading for Paranormal Studies 101 in the year 2016? Yeah, what? Your autobiography, that's what. The one you are going to write in the year 2010. Would you like to hear a few tidbits? Sure, go ahead. Okay, you planted a story once for a friend who promised you a date with an entertainer named Charo. You're adopted and you give 10% of your income to the orphanage where you were first abandoned. You're terrified of moths having slept on one when you were real little. Oh, and uh, <laughs> your idea of great sex is a clown nose, ice cream cone, and a gallon. All right, fine, good.
0: Now, pardon me here. The sound bites are actually a little strange because the first half of that sound bite was the scene before a flash forward. I guess. And the second part of that scene was after the flash forward. But basically when, when she mentions that she decided to go back in time, we get a scene going to two thousand sixteen with Benedict and Jonathan in their sixties, um, settled in as you as you heard. I, I wanna I wanna play this for you. So imagine Jonathan Benny in a slightly futuristic, but not incredibly futuristic uh, you know you know, like a, a futuristic office is they have a strange looking chair that you sit in. And um, that's kind of what this is And she's standing by Laurie's standing nearby And um, this is their scene So imagine them kind of older 30 years discussing stuff
2: How could you even submit This piece of Dumb Forgive me my dear I'm sorry for the profanity The world is going to end any day now You insist on pursuing this <clears throat> time machine theory. Oh, great. You read my proposal. You can call that work of science fiction a <laughs> proposal. But the Institute's particle-antiparticle research has proven that this can work. Only on animals. Think of the possibilities to be able to go back in time with a knowledge of the future. First stop, Vegas. Senior citizen sweeps football card. <laughs> then I will correctly predict all the statistics for the world series
4: dr benedict
2: okay right laurie we do have priorities somebody has to go back in time and stop this michael tipton from assassinating the world leaders if your theory was practical what are you suggesting that we go back the day before the assassination and just grab the man no no he'd be impossible to find he's been underground for over 30 years now you said that he was one of your best students, right? Uh, a long, long time ago. That doesn't matter. The only way to do it is to get back to when you last remember seeing him, when he first went off the track and disappeared. You cannot just blithely march back through the years <coughs> and indiscriminately alter the events to your own liking. Do you realize the damage you could cause? More damage than the destruction of the entire world.
0: So the three of them uh, begin to. Uh, eventually, Jonathan sort of, um, you know, befriends Lori and they start to get a little bit of, yeah, on. And they begin to investigate Michael Tipton, who um, is. We see very early on is. Well, you know, I, I don't want to go too overboard on the plot line here, but basically, his dad was part of a project and his dad found out that this he was a scientist part of a project and um, the Paxton Project and he found out that it was like germ warfare related so he tried to blow the whistle on it and so he was blackballed and ended up committing suicide and um, uh, Michael has been contacted by several people who say, we we loved your father's work. And they've started up this... The Paxton Project was apparently closed now. But then, you know, it's uh, they've started up the Paxton Project again. Oh, no. So you need to destroy it. And that's going to lead to him becoming like this assassin. And, and they have to sort of... Um, uh, Mackenzie Benedict and Laurie have to sort of nip this guy in the bud before he does anything. And um, that's kind of what it's about. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a developing relationship between Laurie and Jonathan, like I said. And Benedict um, brings out the last of his pals, who is a um, sort of a, I don't know, a sniffing... I'm not a psychic, but he he basically sniffs everything and Michael... Michael's apartment and could tell what's going on and could tell what he's doing it does look for a few moments like the scene in Pink Flamingos where Divine and her son are licking all the furniture you know how that scene ends uh, this scene with Benedict does not end like that no one licks any furniture but uh, so it, it's um, I, I'll kind of leave it there uh, obviously it's, it's a time travel episode which um, for a show that could be a bit cagey about you know, whether or not there are mummies out there or vampires or uh, plants are killing people. It dives head on into the sci-fi in this episode, which it, it it's funny in some respects to me is very much um, portending X-Files because X-Files leads with sci-fi, which is maybe possibly maybe where Shadow Chasers went wrong. Maybe where Kolchak went wrong. I mean, some of the stuff, though, the guy does with that computer in the first episode of Shadow Chasers is very sci-fi. But, I mean, the thing with X-Files is X-Files leads with sci-fi and then brings in the horror. Whereas, um... Kolchak leads with the horror and it's, what, four episodes in? Three episodes in? Where we get the, um... The We're Always Here. You know, the, 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 the one with the UFOs? Um and you always got to have a ufo kind of thing you got to have a sci-fi kind of thing and obviously we've had the uh, sci-fi with uh, core stranger but this one is um but this one is a full-on time travel one this one is and i mean this one is gal shows up from 30 years in the future 2016 so they were anticipating this to air in 1986 she shows up naked terminator and she begins to give out all this information about what's going to happen in 2016. Now, mm. Mm, let let me let me just let me just go. The obviously 1985, the biggest movie of 1985 was Back to the Future. Still uh, an absolute favorite of mine. I um, but once twice a year I'll do a weekend where I watch all three Back to the Futures. Um, I've seen occasional things lately where folks seem to want to cancel Back to the Future. Um, you can take your cancel plug, and you can shove it right up your ass um, uh, because you're not going to you're not going to do that shit all right so sorry um, but this is this is a, this is a show ba- the premise of this is based off back to the Fe- future i mean back to the future ends with them going to 2015 this ends with someone coming back from 2016 there's a flash of lightning whenever she leaves or goes Although one time i don't think there's a flash but there's a flash of lightning a random flash of lightning and that is that's the you know that's that's back to the future ish i mean that's the 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 lightning the gigawatts 1.21 gigawatts sent 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 the delorean obviously back to the future um but but so so it's it's very much a back to the future kind of thing and i think people if they'd seen this would have registered that this was um uh obviously based on back to the future a bit of terminator the thing that's really neat and I, I won't go too far into this because I'm I'm this is a long episode and I'm trying to keep this relatively short although this is the last episode of Shadow Chasers so I always kind of keep these long but I'm gonna try to keep this relatively short. I love the stuff. I mean, if if the the joy of it is that so at the end of Back to the Future, which came out six months before this episode would have aired or so six, seven, eight, eight months so let's say eight nine months, um, less than a year. Um, it ends with. Um, what, do we become assholes or something? No, Marty, it's your kids! And they go to 2015. Four years later, three years, three about three and a half years after this would have aired, we get Back to the Future 2. It's funny how there are a few moments in the 2016-related stuff that kind of hit on Back to the Future 2, which hadn't happened yet. The main thing, I think, being the Chicago Cubs, which had gone back in time and put some money on the Cubbies. And just the fact that that Benedict says, you heard Benedict says, he wants to go back in time and bet on all the World Series. He, he, is, he is planning on, do, Benedict wants to do as a joke, what Marty wanted to do in Back to the Future 2 that almost destroyed the timeline. And obviously, the, yeah, the Cubbies and, and, and uh, that. And that, that was f- fantastic. Um, so to, to me, if I'd been able to watch this in 1986, and there was no way I would have been able to have watched it because I would have, I was 13, I would have, needed access to the armed forces network and you know my my mom was a preschool teacher and my stepdad fixed cars so we had no access to the armed forces network like i said i didn't see this episode until about 10 years ago and i i don't know if when i watched it i got the i mean i knew what it was doing time-wise but i don't know if i got the full-on like it's ripping off some back to the future but it's anticipating some of back to the future too which i really love I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll mention the time travel stuff some more, but I just... Um, in some ways, when I watched a previous Kenneth Johnson series, Cliffhangers, I was watching the first nine episodes, the first eight episodes, to get to the ninth episode. The one that ends with... Uh, Mary, um, mom in the crypt, asking her to kill her, and Dracula bursting in. And and saying don't do it, and and sort of the the the, the penultimate or the or the the final cliffhanger on the Curse of Dracula, and so I was kind of building when I was talking about all those episodes of cliffhanger I was building to, cliffhangers I was building to that moment, and it was almost like you gotta you gotta keep your focus you gotta hang in there because you, if you watch it you're going to get this, and Shadow Chasers. I've had some episodes that I've loved. I've really enjoyed watching it. There have been a few iffy episodes, but this is this episode to me is a joy. Part of the fun of it is that and this didn't really happen a lot back then is the 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 Michael thing, the the terrorist attack thing with the bomb is really secondary to like Laurie and Jonathan and sort of the time travel thing and everything like that. Be, because when you think about like Laurie has grown has spent I, I i don't know how old Lori is meant to be she says jonathan is 30 i guess he's 30 i he looks a little older than i looked when i was 30 um but uh, but but the thing with Lori is that like she has spent her time sc- time in school and stuff several years getting to know these two guys 30 years on so she's seen them together doing their shtick doing their thing I don't know if they're still at that age chasing down the supernatural stuff, but now she's seeing them much younger, much more energetic, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to get stuff done. And so it's funny because when you look at it from her point of view, which you can and which I actually recommend, um, it's It's a really great episode, and all the stuff with Michael and his bomb and everything like that become very secondary to everything else. Yeah, the the, the villains are sort of too... um enemy agents who are um like like there's a mo- yeah they they there's a moment where um it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a snooty looking guy and an older lady and there's a moment where like they identify benedict uh benedict and 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 he's like mm, i don't know who that is well you're used to the finer things in life you're much classier than he is so you wouldn't know and it's like oh now the weird thing of course is that uh, they they don't get their comeuppance in the episode which is um interesting i mean because they're obviously like communist enemy agents jerk enemy agents um i don't know the the thing is it's said that the russian premier and the president are killed so i wouldn't think it was a soviet they're not soviets they're they're probably the same people from gemini man who kept going after sam casey and intersect um and so it's not said who they are but it's funny that like these two i wonder if they were meant to return which I mean because we just see them being sinister and then shooting at the guys and Laurie and actually shooting Laurie in the arm one of the great things about it is Laurie seems to be from a future that's very similar to who we are right now except for a few things as you heard the flag and the national anthem and such and they're on the verge of nuclear war and in 2016 something terrible uh happened and in their country and um and they're kind of waiting for the country and the world to fall apart. Luckily, we didn't have anything like that happen circa two thousand sixteen in the U.S. So we're okay. <laughs> Shit. So this this is a great episode. I think this is this is a nicely uh, uh, done episode. I mean. I it's it's I, I don't know that the direction is the hottest in it. It could could be sharper pacing wise, but just like that Doctor Benedict and this is nineteen eighty six. Of course it's nineteen eighty six and these are these great little moments and, and and Michael Michael has the look of sort of um he has the look of sort of the guy from um I was going to say either Targets or Nashville, the guy who does the shooting in Nashville, or the guy who goes on top of the tower in Targets, and just, he has this dull look on his face like something's happened, and he's being manipulated, and he's going to destroy, uh, which is scary as shit, Uh, but it's... uh, yeah is 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 the kind of thing that happens in America <laughs> a lot unfortunately you get a lot of these people who, who fall under the sway of of people giving them the you know like um you know i'm i'm not going to i'm not i'm not going to go there but it's and uh, it's 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 great that benedict Laurie, and, and jonathan are able to apparently hopefully save i mean every, uh, i i do wonder though if if in stop at the end uh, spoiler at the end of the episode they stop Michael from send, doing his first thing that he gets arrested with the theory being that he is original thing with the bomb the bomb would go off and he sort of disappear and become like an assassin and after a time he'd shoot the president in the premier. but because he gets arrested things go in a different direction so I'm wondering when Lori goes back to her future if hopefully things would be better we don't we don't see it i wonder if she would have met jonathan and all of them like if she would have gone back you know she says when she appears in the shower like you know you heard it like they, they must have remodeled what if when she goes back in 2016 that's not there anymore because time has been altered before then i i don't know i would i would love something though where um I mean, this this is a perfect episode to like. If if they did a second or third season, this would be a perfect one where like maybe Jonathan and Benny are taken forward to two thousand sixteen to this this period in time because we know the time travel can happen, so they can go too. So they could have opened up this great swath of stories and things, and um, it's 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 kind of exciting to think what this what this episode. Opens up for the show. Can may portend for the show. Which of course never happened. I have not read a lot of the fan fiction. That I, I think I think I put a link somewhere on Adventure Super Train. The, uh, on East Super Train 1. I put a link to a lot of the fan fiction. I am familiar with fan fiction. And a lot of the fan fiction I've encountered. Most of it being Doctor Who related. When it doesn't go to Slash Town. It doesn't. Is it. We don't seem to agree on where shows could go next. So I would bet you cash money, although I don't know for certain, that if you checked out the Shadow Chasers fan, fan fiction, and I will give you another link to that you're not gonna find one where they're suddenly pulled into two thousand sixteen to correct something or something like that. Like like suddenly Lori reappears and because of what she'd done something else had happened and she has to have John Jonathan come to the far and maybe pretend to be himself thirty years later you know, that kind of thing. I'd love to see that, but I doubt that would happen. You know, for all we know, maybe they can make it so after a, a few seasons of the show, the Older Jonathan Benny, we see, are actually Jonathan Benny from 1986, pretending to be the older Jonathan Benny for some reason or other. I don't know. That's, we, we you know, things bend in, in time. You know, if, if the bad guys get access to time, that would be something, right? If the bad guys got access to the time travel, because they could begin to alter things to it, become a time war, baby. Become a time war. Oh my gosh, I like that and then we can bring in some aliens and then maybe that giant fireball from the cremators could roll over people and i like that i like that a lot i think this is a great episode of the show i think this is maybe the best episode of the show i love the pilot but the pilot has a lot to set up this only has to follow up this only has to use what we've seen in the previous 12 and i mean this is if you if you think about it like what all, all, Almost all the episodes are Jonathan and Benny, not always Benny, being sent on adventures. There's the one where the plane crashes and they wind up in it themselves. There's the one where the car crashes and Benny winds up in it and learns about something. There's probably another one where there's some variation of it. But this is the first one where they're all going about their business and suddenly something appears, something comes to them. And there's no... Like, Dr. Morehouse. Where is she? She's in every episode. Where is she in this? She's not in this. She's mentioned, but she's not in this. Why is she not in this? Because she doesn't bring them the adventure. Because it comes it comes from outside. And I love the fact that 13 episodes in, this is starting to happen. This is why, like, the X-Files became great. Because after a few seasons of Mulder Scully going to things, things began to come to them. And um, And that's when I think a show like this becomes great when it it isn't just a series of like look, I haven't watched all of Canon yet, but I'm like four seasons into Canon and pretty much every episode I've seen, there may be one or two I've forgotten, is Canon going to somewhere and getting involved in something. But wouldn't it be great if there was an episode where something came to Canon? Because if something comes to Canon, I mean it's it's like it's like the early episodes of Gemini Man. You know, everything comes to Sam Casey and Intersect in those first four, five, six episodes of Gemini Man, apart from the trucking one. And so that kind of, to me, that, that makes, I don't know, intimate isn't the word, but there's something about some, a, a, a problem that needs to be solved where someone shows up from the future knowing that the only people who can solve it are the people who, from the time where we are to the time when they are, were the people who solved this kind of thing. Jonathan and Benny. And to me, that makes this episode a joy like i said don't watch this one from jonathan benny's point of view watch it from laurie's point of view and and you even like in in the early in the opening uh sequence on the campus where jonathan's trying to talk to michael and he's talking to benny laurie's in the background focus on her you can see her shadow approaching them at one point like focus on her see see what she's doing look at this as an episode that is Set in 2016, that goes back to 1986. Apart from the ending, which we might hear in a moment, but look at look at it that way. Look at this. This is an episode set in 1986. This is an episode set in 2016, where someone goes back to 1986 to do, to to f- try to fix something. And but then in the end, it kind of reverts back. I don't know. You know I'm, I'm making this up as I go along, but I think I think this is this is. Possibly my favorite episode of the show, and and I don't want to say that if you've never watched this before, um, you you don't watch this first because it won't make any sense to you. Like, is this 1986? Of course, it's 1986. Um, Doctor Benedict. That's not going to mean I laughed hysterically when I just watched that like a couple hours ago for the first time in a couple of years. You know, I laughed hysterically. I, I thought it was so great, and. Just sort of the... Even the way they sort of do the throwaway of like the guy who sniffs everything. You know, normally it would be like, I brought this guy over from here and he's going to sniff everything and he's going to... do No, the guy kind of shows up. He's in the apartment. He does the thing. It's two or three minutes. It's done. It's over. You know, sort of like they're... The show is beginning to evolve beyond its basics and beyond, beyond the point where it has to explain everything that's going on. It just is. And... Um, when it gets to the end, is, is the ending slightly awkward with the diffusing of the bomb? Mm, possibly. But Benny does his best. And the the the, the, cameraman, the director, and the people who are doing the slow-motion optical stuff, you know, they're doing their best. They're doing their best. And I think it works. And I think the closing, knowing the closing scene with, between Jonathan and Laurie and the closing scene between Jonathan and Benny are Fantastic the theme song bursting in, in the credits or do 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 is unfortunate i kind of wish they had done no theme song maybe like dr who Earthshock, they had done no theme song and just left let it roll or continued the song that was playing at the end when that when the first credit came up when the executive producer credit came up i don't know that that song that's playing you you might be hearing some of it shortly but that song that's playing that's sort of that romantic kind of song reminds me of like a 70s i don't want to say and the road leads to nowhere i don't want to say it's one of those sort of songs but it um it sounds to me like a like a 70s horror song where something oh what what song am i thinking of um I should went away to try to try to grab some more songs that remind me of that song because it does sound like a 70s sort of dour song that you'd hear in a horror film like Last House on the Left or um, House of the Dead has a song like um, The saddest sound is goodbye No, that's not what it is but it's something, something that these really kind of dour sad songs that you would hear in these movies and I want to say well Carnival Blood is a goofy one Well, no, 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 Carousel I I was just, I was desperately looking at the films, like, The Child, no, Axe, no, yeah, Dark August, uh, Maltese's Carnival Blood. I was looking at the 70s films, trying to come up with a few. And there are a few where they just have these sort of sad, morose songs. And that's kind of what comes in at the, the end here. I'm not thrilled with it. But it is what it is, you know, and th- this is like this is like I said this is eighty five eighty six I've said this before this is a crazy time for music, like during that sequence where they're trying to grab Michael in the factory and they're trying to disarm the bomb, like the music that's playing is like <makes noise> and it's like what the calm down, but that's what they did at this time, so you have to keep it in the keep it in the context so. Uh, that is, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna end it there. I, I think this is an excellent episode of Shadow Chasers. I also think, like cliffhangers, you need to have watched the previous episodes to really get the full impact of it. And that is the end of Shadow Chasers. Normally, I try to count where I am. Show wise, have we completed 13 shows, 15 shows? I, I don't quite know. What was the last show we finished? Oh, Burberry Beat, right? yeah was a bourbon street beat masquerade which one was a bourbon street beat yeah next uh, next episode episode 95 we will have a brand new old show on prepping us for the big 100 which actually won't mean much um but it'll be 100 that's pretty cool though regardless we i i didn't th- i had no thought in july of was it 2016 when i started doing this that i would be this far along and and i didn't think i would have covered shadow chases in full which is great. Um, do I recommend the show? Yes, I do recommend the show. Um, is it mostly unfulfilled potential? Kind of. <laughs> That's the tricky thing about it. Just just think, just look at the X-Files, look at Night Stalker. Well, maybe not Night Stalker, because Night Stalker I think is lots of fun. Once you can get over the repetitiveness of it, I think it, it kind of fulfills what it needs to do. But like the X-Files, if you just watch the first season of the X-Files, you will see a pretty damn good sort of supernatural slash sci-fi monster of the week kind of show. But so many other shows since 93, 94 have, including the X-Files, have expanded on that. Sometimes bettered it, sometimes not. But expanded on it and made it grow. And da, da, da. I mean, look at Supernatural. And and again, look at the X-Files. Look at Buffy. You know, and, and and so so if you just watch the first season, you may be a bit out in the cold on it. And just get to the end and go okay you know like the erwin meyer flask is great like ahead of time is great because it kind of consolidates what came before it and kind of shows a light ahead um but whereas the x-files gets counting the two most recent seasons whereas the x-files gets what another 10 seasons and two features shadow chasers just gets a lot of fan fiction and I have a trouble reading fan fiction. So again, if someone could dive into the fan fiction and see if they follow up in this time travel thing, I mean, would it be great if you get to season three or four? you know, this big thing where they're they're having to travel back and forth to pretend to be themselves and you know all kinds of crazy stuff is happening. Maybe maybe this episode, whether they like it or not begins, something happens in here. I, I bet it's one of those things where if we went back into the episode, we could pick out a point. Geez, maybe, um, may, maybe, like, there, there's a scene where Laurie is, like, caught in, like, not a cave in, but like a landslide sort of thing, pushes Jonathan out of the way at an archaeological site, and then she is able to regulate her breathing and her heartbeat, bring herself back to life. Maybe there's an evil paramedic who saw that happen and is able to keep some evil person alive who wasn't supposed to be alive. And then suddenly it's like, well, we thought they died in 1987. No, they're still alive in 2016. How are they still alive? Because they saw her do that when she came back in time. Oh my gosh! Oh, what have we done? Oh, it's endless. And to f- those of you out there who hate time paradox stuff and the traveling in time, that, hit the hit the skids, hit the skids, Jack. You know, hit the skids, uh, Steve. Yeah, hit the skids, Barbara. It, it's uh, it, it's fun. It's it's fun to do. I think so. That is the end of Shadow Chasers, a show I quite love um some dud episodes certainly some episodes i love certainly but it ends on such a high note i'm going away on a high note here we are not going to do a closing on this episode uh we're just going to dive right into i've got um this is this is basically the episode ends they save the day and uh you you heard earlier that she has 72 uh, Lori has 72 hours to get back to where she originally appeared which is the shower In Jonathan's apartment So her and Jonathan are in the apartment They're sitting on the couch It's almost midnight and she has to return And they're kind of smooching And hanging out And talking And I'm just going to play you this This is the last two to three minutes Of the last episode of Shadow Chasers See you at episode 95 Brand new old show Be good to yourselves Be safe
4: Oh Yeah it's um day. Hungry.
2: That's what I am. I'm hungry. Chinese. I bet you like Chinese food. How did you know that? I love it. It's a place around the corner. It stays open late. We can just catch it before midnight, what do you say? Uh,
4: Jonathan, how about um, takeout? I, I I really need to take a shower no, and leave it clean between. up. Jonathan? I love you.
2: Now that sounds even better than Chinese. No, 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 go on. Yeah, I'll be back. The robes on the back of the door.
4: And if you remember, I'll see you in 30 years.
2: How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I just got on the phone to the hospital. He's gonna be okay. That's great. How's Laurie? She's hungry. I'm just going out to, to get some mushroom chicken for two. That's all. There's not a cloud in the sky. Johnny boy, mind if I walk along with you? No, not at all. I feel like there's something I want to talk to you about. Stranger. Danger. Coming up on the Cosby Show, Vanessa's been labeled a rich girl at school and it's a title that she'll fight to lose. Now stay tuned as Tech Sergeant J.D. Collier offers some tips on fishing in Europe next on Gosthouse. House. <laughs>